you're with someone and you guys are really great together and you have a lot of amazing things, you're adding joy to each other's lives, the honeymoon phase isn't necessarily hiding anything bad. Mm. So when that starts to fade and thin, you're like, oh, this person's still awesome. Great. This person that I was dating is sexy. Great. But they're also not a good match for me. I'm just noticing it without judgment. That doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with her. It just means that now that I see the truth of the situation, I can make a better choice. Welcome to today's episode of the Empowered Women's Podcast. I'm thrilled to introduce today's amazing guest. Her name is Lauren. But before I continue, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any platform, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts, just to name a few. And that way it lets me know that the content I'm putting out there is reaching your ears and you want more content like this. Back to Lauren. She's not only an author and a speaker, but also the creator of the Metadate Journal mobile app and the author of self-published book, The Mindful Dating Journey, Find a Healthy Love That Lasts. Wouldn't we all love that? Lauren is on a mission to empower singles to overcome the challenges of dating and find the healthy, loving relationships they deserve. With her wealth of knowledge and experience that she's going to share with us today, she helps her audience to ditch the dating struggle and navigate the world of relationships with confidence. So whether you're a seasoned dater or new to the game, get ready, guys, to be inspired and empowered by Lauren's wisdom and insights. So let's dive in as we chat all things surviving the honeymoon phase. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Hey, Amanda. Thanks for having me. We'll just dive straight in. What is the honeymoon phase of a relationship and how long does it typically last? Sure. I mean, that honeymoon phase is the the period of time where you just feel so smitten with the other person. Suddenly, every song that comes on the radio, you're like, oh, this is this is my love song and life looks brighter. You're just generally happier. This blissful phase can last anywhere from like three months to mm. maybe two years It just depends on how often you see each other, what you're doing to really maintain and cultivate that that special mood, and a bunch of other things I think are really unique to what you guys can bring to the relationship. Mm. There's nothing wrong with the honeymoon phase, don't get me wrong, but it can be a little bit dangerous if you're not aware of what's actually happening like physically in your body and where you can get stuck along the way. When you say what what is like being aware of what's happening in your body, what do you mean by that? Well, studies have been done to show that physiologically, there's a different uh, blend of neurochemicals happening in your brain. So when you're in that state of attraction where you're like, wow, this person, they're really doing it for me. I'm sending mm. signals to my brain that says I am attracted. What the brain does is it releases noradrenaline serotonin, dopamine, these are all feel good chemicals. So when Mm. you're with the person, you're like, holy shit, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) And then when you leave them, those chemicals drop. So what that does is it actually makes you crave being back together with them. You want your next fix. Mm. So you can imagine that having that going on in your brain might lead you to make some bad choices. Not not Mm. bad, but not that any choice is really bad or good. But if you're not thinking about logically what you need in a healthy partnership, you might be tempted to make decisions just because you want to feel good again. 
So what are the common characteristics then of the, the honeymoon phase, like such as intense attraction, excitement, passion, just kind of, I guess, extend on what you've just said there. Sure. I think that because all of these feel-good chemicals are going off in your brain, mm. what happens is we get a little bit too heavy on the emotional side of our of our being. You know, I think that we have emotions as part of our body, but then we also have logic and reasoning. And when you have too many emotions fluttering into your heart and in your, your loins, I guess, you're not actually thinking about the boring parts of logic and reasoning. And what this does is really... Def- pleats you of some valuable data that you're going to need to make sure that you're making a choice for the person that you're welcoming in your life long-term. When you make decisions based off of emotions alone, Mm. you're most likely just thinking about what feels good now. You want to avoid feeling bad. You just want to stay in the feel good. When you make decisions based on logic, however, you can temporarily push that emotional gain to the wayside just for a moment to say logically what's going to make an impact for me in a week, in a month. Welcome to this short ad break. Not sure if you're aware, but I'm a personal trainer and have been for years now. So if you like the idea of training and being educated on how to eat for better health, then maybe it's time to hire me as your personal coach. You can start feeling confident, self-assured and healthy again, so you can attract the best kinds of lovers and friendships into your life today. You can apply for online or face-to-face coaching with me, where I will take you through a hybrid fitness system that covers the three pillars to success, where I take you through the deep work of mindset principles and help you achieve breakthroughs, guide you to understand meal preparation for your goals and customize your weight training program to help you build a healthy physique that you can be proud of. Find the application link in the show notes of this episode. Back to the show. What do I need in order to be happy? The other thing that's great about logic, and I'm a very logical person, maybe some of you out there listening uh, are as well, Yeah. but logic also takes in data from the past as well. Mm. It, it Like our brain is so magical. It can store everything that has ever happened to us. And maybe sometimes this isn't helpful, but mm. when it comes to dating, to have all that information is like, what about this situation reminds me of something in the past that really didn't end well. Um, And when you don't have access to that logical reasoning, you're only thinking about the present moment, then that past comparison data is also Mm. kind of inaccessible. So what I end up telling people is that in order to make healthy decisions in the honeymoon phase is really about letting both sides of you exist as equally as possible. Meaning, yeah, enjoy those emotions. You should feel Mm. good. That's an amazing phase. Mm. but make time and intentional space to reconnect with your logic. I agree. I agree because emotions will fluctuate and women, especially in dating, one day they feel hot and heavy for you and the next day they may not. And that can really throw a person off and be like, but yesterday you said you loved me. And it's like, yeah, but that was yesterday because I was on a high and I was feeling like this and now my hormones are all, all, all over the shop or I'm feeling different. Something has um, something has sort of upset me. So it, in a way it kind of goes to almost masculine, feminine approaches to the honeymoon phase too because I think I'd like to think, and correct me if I'm wrong, men might have the ability to maintain a little bit more logic in the early stages and perhaps women at times because we are – 
kind of riding the wave of our emotions most of the time. And then there are women who are not as emotional as others. Um, so then it's different again. But um, do you, would you say that men tend to lose their way through their emotions as well in the honeymoon phase or do they tend to stay a bit more grounded than us? <laughs> yeah, that's hard for me to say since, you know, I, I am a woman. Uh, I do think that like biologically speaking, those chemicals are still being released, but mm. from a societal standpoint, maybe they don't have access to those emotions uh, or feel as comfortable sitting with those emotions as women are. So mm. perhaps it does take a little bit longer or maybe they repress them. Um, yeah, which is which is a shame because emotions are, are amazing data in themselves. If, yeah. if you don't feel mm. good in the in the present moment, that's really important to note as well. And if you're yeah. if you're pushing all of those emotions down as a man, then you're losing that into intuitive guidance that's always there for you. Yeah. Yeah. How can you tell? When the honeymoon phase is ending in a relationship and what are some of the signs to look out for? Oh, man. I think it's just when they start annoying you, you know. I, when you're in the honeymoon phase, they're perfect. They can do no wrong. It's almost mm. like you put them on this pedestal. And in in an, another side note, that's another indicator that you're getting too stuck in the emotions. When you start fantasizing and when you lose touch with reality, maybe we can yep. come back to that. Yep. But I think that when, for example, like say you're dating someone and they call you like every night and they're so sweet and they always just want to say good night and, mm. and you just think that's so amazing. You love the attention and the connection. But then after a while, sometimes you're like, oh my God, can I just go one night without talking? You know, this is getting into a whole situation about communication and boundaries and things like that. Mm. But I guess the reason I'm bringing this example up is because the moment when that starts to be getting a little bit annoying or when you feel that that's not so great anymore, that's when that fog of the honeymoon phase is starting to thin because yeah. you're actually being yourself again. You're actually able to see the situation for what it is yeah. instead of painting a rosy picture. Yeah, gotcha. Um, can it sort of end as quickly as like three month mark? Yeah, I don't. And this also has to do with too. What is the underlying truth of your compatibility? If you're with someone and you guys are really great together and you have a lot of amazing things, you're adding joy to each other's lives. The honeymoon phase isn't necessarily hiding anything bad. Mm. So when that starts to fade and thin, you're like, oh, this person's still awesome. Great. But if you like me in the past, so for example, I'll tell a story here. When I first came out, I was 33 years old. And the first girl I dated was like this little spunky rebel. And she was, uh, you know, living a very different lifestyle than me. You know, she drank a lot more than me. And mm. I just thought that that was like so cool. Like I was going through a little rebellion. Like I wanted that part of me to shine. And there was so much about her from her, the like the way that she lived her life to her physically that I just found her incredibly attractive. Yeah. So yeah. I got so far gone in that honeymoon phase that I wasn't thinking that like, this isn't actually the long-term person that I want in my life. I want someone yeah. ambitious, someone that has a career plan that maybe doesn't drink so much and like little yeah. things here and there that started yeah. to come up. That when that honeymoon phase started to thin, that that fog started to thin, I was like, who did I pick? This huh. is not, this is yep. not the person that I thought. Mm. And that feeling is really difficult to sit with too, because it makes it made me feel like I was crazy. 
Like, how can, how could I not see that this was the truth of the situation? Yeah. And I felt like I couldn't trust myself to actually know what a healthy partner was like. And that's when I decided to spend time journaling after a date. For right. me, that journaling space was what brought me back to what is really happening here? Logically, mm. what are you looking for? And just balancing out those emotions, really grounding myself back on, on my own two feet and making sure that I was taking myself in a direction that was that I was going to like in a few months. What, what did you get from your journaling? Were you able to apply more logic and kind of, because the story doesn't lie. And, and sometimes something I said the other day, when we read back the situation to ourselves, if it sounds messed up, it probably is. And this is where when you kind of, Write it down for what it is because emotions is one thing. Emotions are very flighty and up here and then, you know, words and stories and narratives are very down here and that is, well, you can't really you can't really lie your way through the situation but you can kind of fool yourself into believing it's more than what it is. So I think writing words is a really powerful tool to go, Oh, it actually doesn't sound that good. She drinks a lot. Well, doesn't really match with my values and morals. I don't really like to drink, but I'm making exceptions because she's hot and I'm in this thing and it's all fun and she's light, you know, lighthearted, but long-term, is it really going to work, you know? So how do you think, you know, once the honeymoon phase has ended, right, because that's when the real work begins because really there's not much work involved in the honeymoon phase. It's like a quick hit. It's like a drug. It's like boom. You don't, you have to, you, all you have to do is look at each other and everything switches on. You go on a few nice dates. You're spending minimal time together. So really, Lauren, there's not a lot of work there. Then when they start to annoy you because your values start to come into play, your common interests or lack thereof. How do you maintain positive feelings and excitement once the honeymoon phase kind of starts to dissipate? I'm going to probably bring up mindfulness many times. So I'm going to just take a moment here to really explain what I mean for that by that. Mindfulness, when people use this in like random sentences, like, oh, be mindful of the traffic or, you know, be mindful of whatever thing. They use it almost as a synonym for just like watch out or be aware of, notice, which is part of it. But the bigger part of mindfulness, the way that I'm going to be using it is acceptance, but without judging it. So when you're mindful of something, you're seeing it, all of it for what it is without saying that it's bad or wrong or wanting to change it or label it. You're just like, oh, I see it. So we've already been talking about this very thing with journaling and like really what we're doing is we're we're allowing the emotions to exist, but we're also noticing what else is happening, the truth mm. of the situation. Yeah. Like, yes, this person that I was dating is sexy, great, but they're also not a good match for me. I'm just noticing it without judgment. That doesn't mean that there is anything wrong with her. It yeah. just means that now that I see the truth of the situation, I can make a better choice. Mm. So that same skill can apply when you're navigating that stage where you're coming out of the honeymoon phase and going into what is now going to be a healthy, hopefully, long-term relationship. Yeah. If you yeah. can maintain that sense of being mindfully aware of everything happening in your body, mm. you're going to be a better communicator. 
and you're going to build a foundation that's going to be longer lasting. So I guess what I mean by that is if your partner does do something that's annoying you, that's fine. I'm sure every partnership has something about the other person that's annoying, but it doesn't mean that they break up. It means that they talk about it, that they Mm. figure out a way to navigate it. So I think that the first step of really bringing mindfulness into post-honeymoon phase is really taking a good solid sit with yourself, all parts of you, every single need that you might have and letting it be there without judgment. Because when your partner does something that historically your mom or whoever a caretaker told you, oh, you're not allowed to have that need met and you were afraid to bring something up or you were afraid to set a boundary, this partner is going to help you work through that. Mm-hmm. which is another beautiful part of mindfulness of how healing it could be not only for you, but yeah. for your partner as well. You create space for them to, to overcome their own shadows. Do you think there are some potential dangers around people holding on to the honeymoon phase? Cause it is like a bit of a drug and it does, you know, when, when it moves in from sort of that initial love phase, then it goes deeper. I think it's exciting to almost move away from the honeymoon phase because I think anything beyond that starts to get really real. And if you can last beyond that, then you know that this person is willing to put in the work. So I think people shouldn't really sort of shy away from it. But for those that are really trying to hold on to that superficial part of the relationship, what advice do you have for them? Like, can things happen like, unrealistic expectations or ignoring real issues in the relationship? Yeah, I think so. One of the da- the most dangerous parts of the honeymoon phase is the tendency to fantasize. So for example, going back to this girl, when I first met her, she told me that she had gotten her bachelor's in psychology mm. and she told me like some job title, but it wasn't really descriptive and it was vague. Instead of me asking more questions and getting clarification, my honeymoon phase brain decided that she was a therapist. Like I gave her a job title without her actually like defining what it was. And she didn't actually have a job at the time. So I think I was like thinking that she was a therapist or I don't know. It was during COVID. I made a lot of excuses for her. And Mm -hmm. this was a danger. It's like, I then continued to think in my head, That this was the kind of person she was. This is the job she had. This is the kind of person she would be later. Like I fantasized about what our future could be. And none of that was grounded in reality. So why would we decide to stay in that fantasy place, in that honeymoon phase for longer than we need to? Mm. Because the fantasy feels good. Mm. (laughs) Without the fantasy, you have to face the facts that I never asked her for her job. And now that I know what it is, I don't really love it so much. Or you have to face the facts that you've been spending six months with someone that really isn't for you. So you just keep going. You keep sticking your feet in the sand deeper and deeper rooting into that fantasy because it's almost like it needs to be true or else you're a failure. So this person you're referring to, yeah, no, that's great. This, This person you're referring to, what did they do for work? They were actually um, like an assistant in a group of uh, autistic children that would come in and like they needed multiple people to help them 
yep. to, to help these children. So it was still a very honorable job, mm-hmm. but I, for some reason, couldn't accept that truth and see the beauty in who she was. I decided that she was only going to be beautiful if she matched my ideal. How can someone tell, right, once you move past um, the honeymoon phase, what are some key factors in considering um, whether a relationship is continuing to worth pursue? For example, just maybe some examples around that. When you're around this person, does it feel like you're walking on eggshells? Or have you tried to set boundaries or you've tried to communicate and somehow nothing ever seems to improve? Yeah. Maybe any attempts to get their needs met makes you feel like you're crossing your boundaries. And sometimes it takes a really long time for you to discover this stuff. It could take a year really to find out who someone truly is. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that journey. As long as along the way to get there, you're still in alignment with who you are. You still feel for the most part happy in your life. Mm. But the moment when things start to feel off in your body, Mm. that's like a, it's an alarm system. Like, hi, something's not right. And you tried to communicate it and it's not changing. Then I would start to say, yeah, maybe you should cut your losses. Mm. It's kind of like when you get that ick feeling, you're like, oh, this just feels so off. It's almost like some people are really, really good talkers in the beginning of a relationship. And people are great at whispering all kinds of sweet nothings because it's easier to do that. But actions always speak louder than words. And then it might come back to someone's uh, love languages. Someone might be very much words of affirmation. So they're never short of telling you how they feel or telling you what you want to hear. But really long-term, it's kind of sometimes the people that aren't always talking up a big game and they're just showing you signs of whether they're paying for dates or whether they're picking you up or whether they're they're making an effort. They're, They're moving hell and high water to come and see you. They may not always be super affectionate, but they're actually putting in the work. I think as well, you know, if we understand these differences and kind of respect that, okay, well, your love language isn't mine, but you know what? You're actually showing me that you're doing the work. As much as I want you to tell me that you love me all the time, you're just showing me that you do. I had a situation recently and, you know, the whole body thing, you know, when you're feeling a situation and something happened, didn't really, it just kind of like, it was that instant feeling in the body where I was like everything that we had shared up until that point, it just went out the window because the action that kind of happened, it was like my whole body just feels really off right now. And I just can't stress enough to people listening. Don't ignore that feeling if something feels off. Or again, if you go back to the whole journaling piece and you're writing down the situation exactly for what it is, when you read it back, if it sounds off, it is off. It is off. So yeah. Really good point. Um, maybe yeah, those gut instincts are mm. so important after a date. Yeah. Like <clears throat> you go out on a date and in that present moment, you might have those gut feelings where you're like, Ugh, this doesn't feel quite right. Mm. But then maybe when you go home, they send a cute text or whatever. And then two days later, you forget about how you felt in that present moment because mm. now you're wrapped up in the fantasy again or whatever it is. That's why it's so important to journal right away. And that's why I have that mobile app that I made. It's right on your phone. Do it right in the car when you get back from your date. 
Make sure that you document exactly how you're feeling just to really get in touch with it because that truly is information that you're going to need to make like the best decisions for your love life. Mm -mm. Do you want to talk more about the app? Someone downloads the app. Do they pay for the app? Um, What's involved in it? How does it work? Sure. It's free, totally free. It's based off of the questions that are in my book, The Mindful Dating Journal. Yep. So some of the questions like are obviously you're going to check your emotions. You're going to check your gut instincts. I also ask in the, the app, what did you love about yourself? Because I think a lot of times we can get to an insecure place on a date just because, you know, dates are scary. They're risky. A lot of times we're like, oh, did I do something wrong? Are they going to choose me? And then we sort of indirectly give our power away. Yep. And when you can take a moment after a date to reestablish how fucking awesome you are by being like, I love myself. I showed up. I was authentic. Hmm. That puts you back in that place of power where it's like, I am going to make this decision for what's best for me. I'm not going to try to be whatever the other person wants to be. Hmm. Some of the other questions on there are um, rating your date, but not in a superficial way, rating it based on how much fun did you have? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how interesting was the conversation? And this isn't necessarily to quantify like how interesting they were, mm. but it's more so that so you can get to know what a good date feels like. Because mm. a lot of times I would go out on a date and I'd be like, oh yeah, I had fun. But then like when you really go out on a date with somebody that you click with, you have so much fun. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like I had to like make sure that I was really giving them the best the more the most objective interpretation of like how good that date was what is a good date yep and then of course there's a question that's do you want to see them again but it makes you answer why instead of just saying yes no like really yep. get down to what is it about this person that you find curious or what mm. what is it that's drawing you to them yeah yeah Ah, and then does the app kind of spit out like a result from that? And then it says, I think you should go on a second date with this person or what happened? No, but that's a freaking genius idea. (laughs) No, all all it is is a record. So it's like a database. You can go in and record multiple people and you fill out a new entry for every single person that you date or multiple dates with the same person. And it's really just a chronicle. So you can go in and you can say, oh, well, how did I feel when I was on the first date with this person now that it's the fourth date? Are things changing or is it pretty much the same as what I recorded on date one? And how was it compared to the date that I had with this new person? Wow, I I noticed that I felt so much more calm and confident with this person. It's not necessarily about the other person at all. It's truly about getting to know you Mm. and what's lighting you up. It's like dating self-care. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I guess that's one way of not getting too caught up in the honeymoon phase of dating, like just journaling helps with logic. Do you have any other advice or tips that are going to help listeners not get too caught up in the honeymoon phase where they're making impulsive decisions that may not be sustainable in the long term? Are you an anxious person or are you more like an an avoidant attachment style? Do you know your attachment style? I would say that I'm very secure attachment. I used to be more anxious attachment and be caught up on the whole why haven't they texted back in a certain time? And every now and then I'm like, hurry up and reply, would you? But then at the same time, 
you know, as you get older, our lives do get busier. And, you know, like, I, I don't know about you, Lauren, but I'm 37. So the people I date now are probably either going to have children and businesses and stuff like that. So I, we're all busy. And when they reply, they reply. But I think what annoys me, like communication is huge for me. So whilst I'm very secure, if you are the sort of person that has your phone in your hand and you know that they've always got their phone on hand um, or they might even not even bother to look at their phone for hours at a time, if you have a partner, you'd think that in the back of your mind you're, con- you're subconsciously always wondering if they're going to contact you or not. So if you don't hear from them for hours at a time and there's no real reason for that other than I couldn't be bothered looking at my phone, that kind of stuff rubs me up the wrong way a little bit because I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to sort of be made to feel like a bit of a priority and there's two people now in your decision-making to a degree. You know, if you're making a decision, you've always got to kind of consider your partner, how is this going to impact them? What What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree with you. And the reason that I asked this was because I I am by by the way, I'm 36 and I am mm. a recovering anxious attachment style. Mm. And I would go in these anxious spiral loops similar to you like, oh, why aren't they calling me back? You know, what did I say that was wrong? But and this is this is the trick for surviving the honeymoon phase and managing it with more peace is I could also go in spirals where I would say, oh, our future is going to be amazing. And, and I dream about them. And I, I like get kind of obsessed about thinking about our life together and how amazing Mm. they are. That's a spiral of anxiety too, in Mm. a way, because, Mm. well, it's definitely fantasy thinking that's not healthy because it's not in the present moment, at least to the extent that I was doing it. So pause is important when you notice you feel gross, right? You definitely want to pause and say, why do I feel this way? But also pause and teach yourself to pause when you're feeling suspiciously good for too long. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with feeling good, but it could be almost like a weird coping mechanism that -hmm. you're spending so much time fantasizing. Yep. Uh, So pausing and just noticing that and coming back to the present moment and saying, okay, what can I do that's going to be more productive for me? Maybe I can come back to hanging out with friends, doing a passion <coughs> project. Yep. Something that really just roots you firmly in the reality. Mm. And that I think helps too, especially if you're anxious attachment, because it does let go of the expectation. Nobody's mm. perfect. Chances are they're never going to meet this fantasy that you've been concocting in your head for weeks. Just let them be them in the present moment. That's, who you're going to be dating anyway. That's the person you need to get the data on. And to your point, to caveat what you just said about getting back rooted into, you know, catching up with friends, it's very easy to stop doing that and to start prioritizing this person because they're giving you that massive dopamine hit more so than what your friends would at that point, right? Because it hits a totally different yeah. level. Yep. Um, I think also don't start, don't stop your hobbies as well, if you've got hobbies, if you've got catch-ups booked in with your friends, don't stop all of that because your person, your partner, your new partner says jump and you say how high because it's good to have that break. It's good to have that break because your emotions are running high while you're with this person. And when you catch up with your friends and you tell stories and you share what's happening, they're gonna put they're gonna weigh in on that situation. And sometimes you might hear things and think, 
you know, when you first meet someone and your friends are like, look, just be careful. And you're like, all right, all right, man, I will be careful. And it's like, nah, maybe listen to what they're saying and just, just listen, just take that on board because they've got logic now. You don't, you know, if you feel like you're right, yeah, letting your emotions get the better of you and stuff. So I probably am guilty in the past of letting friendships fall to the wayside because I'm so wrapped up in this new person. And then when you break up, then you've got to reestablish those connections and strengthen those connections again and stuff like that. But I think a friend never wants to be made to feel like they're only there when you're not in a relationship either. And I know that I've had mates, for example, that come to me when they're going through breakups and as soon as they're back into a relationship, they disappear a little bit. It's sort of like, well, if you're only going to sort of reach out when things are going bad for you, if you're not going to share that part of your life with me as well as a mate, um, I probably won't be around for the next breakup. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, understandable. Yeah, you know, and I think it, it is easy to sort of get away, but I think if I was to use myself as an example in the whole how to stay grounded through the honeymoon phase, don't let your social life fall to the wayside because it is going to, it is, they will be there before, during and after the breakup, right, if there is a breakup. So you need your mates and it's good to have a couple on board of what's really going on, right, to give you that support throughout that process because doing it alone can be quite daunting and um, you're essentially a bit of a drug addict through that first few months because you're just running on adrenaline and high and dopamine and you're just looking for the next hit. And then when you don't, you fall into a bit of a depressive slump and you're like, shit, I just need, I want to hurry up. And and that's when you get too needy because you're like, I just need the next hit. So you start begging, stealing and cheating just to get the next hit, right? So, yeah. yeah. And it's, um, and I, I think what I like about being grounded is that it really calms the cravings. You're filling your time and dopamine may not be heroin, but it might be a line of, you know, whatever. <laughs> With your friend. Yeah. And like if you're if you're sleeping with that person too, like if you guys have already started having sex, like that's a whole new set of chemicals. Like oxytocin comes into play. You have that intimacy, and that's like fulfilling some really deep human needs and desires. So it could just get really difficult to space that out. But yeah, I agree. It's so important to make time to be your normal self, to have your normal routine. Mm, so mm. if you have like this temptation to to hang out with them Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, be like, no, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take some time for my friends. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. All right. So what are some of the benefits of moving beyond the honeymoon phase and building, you know, deeper, more stable connections with your partner over time? Well, didn't you have your person with you? through life's ups and downs. You mm. don't have to be on dating apps anymore. That's one I'm sure we all will appreciate. Mm, mm, mm. And you can learn that love doesn't have to be quite so intense all the time, mm. that there can be such beauty and peace knowing that you have someone there for you and you don't have to constantly be doing anything to feel loved by them. Mm. They just love you just for being you. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I love that. And I think a lot of people can take a lot away from everything that we've just spoken about today. I think we've just rambled off for 40 minutes. It's gone pretty quick. So I'm I'm looking forward to going back and having a listen to some of this stuff as well. Uh, Lauren, I don't really have anything else to sort of ask you from here. I think we've covered pretty much everything. 
Um, before we sort of go into, uh, I guess, where you want to direct people, some freebies that you've got today, you've also got some social links. Is there anything else that you want to share? No, I just want to thank you so much for inviting me and to encourage anybody who's listening to check me out on my podcast at Date in Peace. I've got lots more mindful dating tips there for you. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Now I've got some social links here. We've got some freebies. We've got the free escape your toxic dating loop toolkit. What's involved in that? Sure. So what I call a toxic dating loop is these patterns of behaviors that we tend to find ourselves doing, even though they don't help us. And it just ends up landing us in the same types of unhealthy relationships. So if you feel like you're a magnet for assholes or you're a magnet for narcissists, you're Mm. probably stuck in a dating loop. And all you need to get out is a little bit of awareness. Yeah. So that's what this packet does for you. Mm, I think people could really benefit from that. I think a lot of people would tend to relate to that and go through that sort of stuff. And then we've got the free red, yellow, and green dating flags checklist, which I think speaks for itself. And um, I like, I particularly like yellow flags because they're the ones that could go either way. <clears throat> so um, yeah, definitely. Definitely download this this stuff, team. It's um, you know, it's free. It's a free resource. And then obviously, if you like what you see, then you can reach out to Lauren. You can continue to work with Lauren. So do you have an opportunity for clients to come and work with you one-on-one or in a bit of a group situation? I'm actually not a coach. I'm just an author and a speaker. Oh, there and you go. just want to be here to help anybody. If you have any questions or if you just want to connect, like just for to be friends, yep. please feel free to Instagram message me. Yeah, amazing. Well, you're giving a lot of value out for nothing, Lauren. So that's great. She's got the free app, a couple of other free uh, PDFs there that you can download. We'll have the Instagram and there's a Facebook group here, Mindful Daters Support. What happens in the Facebook group? We just share our dating stories, offer love and support and share ways that we can thrive in our love lives. Yeah, wonderful. All right, Lauren. Well, I just want to say massive thank you for coming on today and sharing everything. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see the feedback on this this particular episode here because I always love it when we can talk about always the initial dating phase. I think if you can get past the initial stuff, um, it's like it's a job well done because I think it's it brings with it a lot of excitement, but also it can come crashing down pretty quick too if you're not managing it properly. So Lauren, thank you so much. Team, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure that you're following us on either Google Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify. Feel free to reach out. Feel free to tag me on Instagram, amanda.m.mikolaf. Share uh, a screenshot of this episode into your stories and tag myself. You can tag Lauren as well. Let us know how much you liked it. And we will chat to you next time. Thanks, Lauren.